Welcome to Peeves Gabfest, a chapter by chapter page to screen analysis of the Harry Potter series. I'm Sarah Day. I'm James. And I'm Meeks. How are you guys doing today on this Saturday? Good. Excited to just spend some time outside in the nice weather. Totally. Yeah. I saw The Little Mermaid today. Super exciting. Ooh. Did you love it? I loved it, to be honest. I think it was, I mean, it's definitely my favorite of the remakes, I'd say. Ooh, that's Not good. Not to get off I can't, <laughs> I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, but today, what we're here for is to discuss Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone Chapter 5, Diagon Alley. And that is minutes 1856 to 2921 of the film. It's a very exciting chapter this week as Harry and the readers or viewers are introduced to the colorful wizarding world for the first time. We are introduced to the highly regarded wand maker, Garrick Ollivander, played by the late John Hurt. As a quick reminder, we will be using our vast knowledge of the wizarding world to compare the page to the screen, and we may gab about moments that happen later in the books or films. You've been warned, Dickelfirsties. Now, without further ado, let's cause some mischief. Welcome back, listeners. We're going to open the floor for some feedback and reviews that we've gotten. James, do we have any feedback? Yes, we do. So this is awesome because this is our first feedback ever that ever since we started the show. So if you guys want to hear your feedback be talked about by us, then please submit that feedback in all of the ways that we'll introduce at the end of the episode. But Karen... Uh, on face on Facebook through our Facebook group uh, gave us some feedback and she wanted to basically say this in uh, keeping with your format I wanted to share my pee from chapter three I really missed the section of the chapter that they left out of the film of them packing up the car the manic drive the hotel stay the acquiring of the boat and the journey to the remote house as this would have occurred directly after Dudley's daddy's gone mad, hasn't he, line, and would have emphasized this statement so much. And Karen, I have to agree with you. That is I definitely agree. would have that definitely would have been hilarious to watch. Absolutely agree. I, I just hope that they put it into the show. So, you know, it sucks that it was missing from the movie, but as long as I get a good montage, should we say, <laughs> in the show and really show that just downward spiral that Vernon experiences in particular that Vernon experiences that would just be so much fun like all all of those little details that JK added into the books uh into this chapter I really hope that they put that in um to a scene in the show yeah I think yeah, we were totally. all pretty much in agreement when we were talking about chapter three that mm -hmm. we really wanted to see mm -hmm. that fleshed out a little bit more in the show yeah yeah Fingers crossed. If they just hired us, then like, then we know what would happen. I mean, we could guarantee it. Well, Migs, do you have a review for us this week? I do. It's so exciting. So Courtney on Facebook, she said, Harry Potter is one of those things I get nervous to reread because it was so good the first time and nothing can recreate that experience. But I am enjoying rediscovering things alongside you three. 
Time to break out the adult hardcover set I've been saving for years and get to reading. Ooh, I want to know what that hardcover set looks like. I know. I have been reading the illustrated versions. Uh, I have books one through four of the illustrated ones mm. that we got from Costco. <laughs> and they are so beautiful. And so this is the first time I've had them for a while, but this is the first time that I'm reading those. Uh, and it's so much fun to uh, to re-experience the books themselves but to see these illustrations even after the movies come out so you have an idea uh, or you have an image in your head of what the characters look like just because you know the there's there's been images put into our heads because of the films that were made but even so it's still really cool to see the illustrations and see how they're kind of a blend of what the books were and what the films were and they're their own things so it's really fun i'm actually reading the Mina Lima versions and they, the third one is coming out soon. uh, But that has been a lot of fun because they're kind of, there's, they're interactive. Basically there's like pop-ups and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually going to show you guys one of the pages as we get into our discussion, because well, I won't go into it. We'll get to it in a little bit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you, Courtney, for those review that review also. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Courtney. Well, we start this chapter with Harry beginning to wake up thinking everything he just learned from Hagrid and everything he just experienced with Hagrid was a dream. But an owl wakes him up. So sad. I know. A little, I, the, going through his mind, because we're reading I his know. thoughts, and it's just like, oh, there's Petunia, you know, knocking at the window, but it's really an owl. And well, that's like, how good it was. Like, that's how good of an experience it was, because he loved it so much that he was just like, oh, it, it has to be a dream. Like, we have all had those moments where we've just been so elated and so happy that when we wake up the next morning, it was like, did that really just happen? And then mm-hmm. you like, you, you realize it didn't. So I think we all experience that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm just so glad that, you know, us knowing how sad that is that Harry kind of by default thinks that way. He just assumes the worst because yeah. of how he's been treated for almost his entire life. It's so cool like right away in the books as we are getting to know him he's getting these good experiences mm-hmm. so they have a quick discussion before setting off to london and we get our first mention of the ministry and cornelius cornelius fudge himself which we didn't see that in the film but that's not really too big of a nugget to be concerned about no but it does set the precedence of how everybody thinks about him because mm-hmm. yeah. Hagrid right off the bat is just like oh he's not as best as Dumbledore like that kind yeah. that kind of sets the tone of how everybody thinks about Cornelius Fudge not everybody mm-hmm. thinks that he has the chops to do the job right and mm-hmm the little piece of information that he actually sends owls to Dumbledore asking for advice almost daily. Yeah. So cute. Imagining Hagrid doing that (laughs) or no, sorry, sorry. Imagining fudge doing that. Right. It's like so cute that, you know, everybody's everybody always needs Dumbledore's help. So 
what's interesting about this uh, this whole little sequence that well we we kind of discussed it last episode where we we they kind of just jump into going into Diagon Alley in the movie whereas here they stay the night and they mm-hmm. wake up and they're eating breakfast and getting ready for the day to head out to London and you know that kind of just feeds into the the fact that this adaptation kind of moved the the adaptation of the movie moved beat to beat to beat really quickly and it it kind of shortchanged us a little bit into thinking that this all happened within a set amount of time Mm -hmm. when in reality it did not like this took a good amount of time before he even got even close to getting on the train so like we 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 hear he this is harry asking all the more questions that he didn't get to ask yesterday he's now contemplated everything in this sleep he's imagined things all this stuff but now he's just asking every single question in the book and what's interesting is is that when you watch the movie he doesn't actually get a chance to do all that he's kind he's 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 standing around and he's being he's like awe-inspiring he's just like whoa that's cool oh wow like what's that and what's that you can see it on his face but harry doesn't ask any questions at all in the movie and in the book he's asking a ton of them like he's asking all these questions and hagrid is just giving him all the answers that he could ever want and a lot of world building and it's just a lot of world building Mm -hmm. that's being missed upon even just some of the basic questions that would have been really important to ask just get missed that you you don't miss in the book so that's obviously an interesting little tidbit is that this whole like this whole scenario is just him asking questions and we get more and more of that through the chapter as we go on before we get to Mm -hmm. the actual diagon alley location i have two questions for you as they're leaving the first is uh they steal well it's not really a question it's just funny they steal the boat so Mm -hmm. how do the dursleys get off the island That's my second thing that I wrote down is where are the Dursleys? Yeah. I don't know how that happened, but I was literally thinking about that. I was like, poor Dursleys. They have to figure out how to get off this thing without their boat. Right. Yeah. It's so, I mean, I can't believe that was like never even. Right. Like, they covered. leave after the pigtail incident. They leave. But where, like, where I do they, they go? Just, do they go upstairs? Do they leave the in, hut? Yeah. yeah. Well, because I went back to the end of the previous chapter and I read it and I like I read that last part and they just like went into another room mm-hmm. and then that's it and then there's no mention of them after that yeah, yeah I think they went so, into the bedroom I would like to see that kind of fleshed out a little bit more in the show um, Absolutely, because obviously the movie didn't touch base on that at all the book didn't really give us nope. an answer so hopefully the show can give us an answer just kind of what happened to them between do you hear, do you hear that jk so you need to make sure you resolve this <laughs> loophole or this plot hole or whatever it's called because like that's a little concerning a big detail <laughs> right i wouldn't like necessarily call it a about. plot hole but it's definitely a question that we need answered well in the because we know they get back eventually we just don't know how (laughs) yeah i think that we definitely need to know hashtag where are the dursleys (laughs) (laughs) yes what was your second question saturday 
So Haggard says that he flew to get there to the hut. And I'm wondering, do you think he means the, his motorbike? I think so. Mm. Either that or a Thestral, I guess. But I think it's a motorbike because he has it. They have it ready in the later books. He like but, has it ready to go. But if it was his motorbike, wouldn't they have taken that to London? Instead of taking be better the, boat? Than the boat. Yeah. I, th- I think that's probably the, a good idea, Migs. Yeah, and I thought that the um, the reason why, if it, I have always assumed it was the motorbike, um, or the Thestral. That's my second um, option. But uh, for that, for if it was the motorbike, I thought that he wasn't allowed to use it after he got Harry because he says that he's not, not supposed to be using to use magic, magic after he gets. You're right, Harry. and maybe that uh... that counts as magic. So the boat, yeah, mm. that's a good point. So maybe it is this motorbike, but if it is the motorbike, then that begs the question, how does it get back? Yeah, where is the motorbike? Hashtag, where's the motorbike? <laughs> where is all the things? <laughs> where is everything? This is really poor planning. Suffice it this to must say, be a magical hut. Suffice it to say maybe. that we just needed it to be a little bit more detailed. <laughs> right. Okay, this is, wh- this is what I want to see happen. This is what I want to see happen. Hagrid... Uh, flies the motorbike to get Harry. Harry and Hagrid, we see that this is what we're seeing in the show. This is, I need to be hired because I need to make sure that this happens. So then Hagrid and Harry leave on the boat as they do in the book. The motorbike is still there. Oh my God. McGonagall, McGonagall arrives by magic to pick up the motorbike and to take the Dursleys in the motorbike <laughs> back to the drive. <laughs> I want to see that so bad. Okay, Meeks, as much as I love that, and that's hilarious, I just don't know that that fits McGonagall's character, but that is hysterical. But that's what makes it so funny. I feel like we need to do like a, like a spinoff version of Harry Potter. A what if? Like, yeah, exactly, where McGonagall is doing things like riding motorbikes because that's – we all need to see that. Yes, totally. That's a hoot. Not to set expectations too high, I feel like we're all going to be disappointed in this scene whenever it comes don't out. Get if they don't the do this. But... <laughs> <laughs> so before we move on to getting to the leaky cauldron or anything like that, I wanted to point out another additional scene that was added in the extended version. Oh. I'm loving this. Uh, I think I'm going to move forward with not watching it because this is so fun. I had no idea. Yes. So (laughs) right after Hagrid and Harry leave the shack in the middle of the island, uh, he takes uh, Harry to the Leaky Cauldron. But there's a scene that's added into the extended version where they are on the subway driving Mm -hmm. to the Leaky Cauldron. And Harry's reading off his list. Uh, that he got mm-hmm. from the letter. And he mentions things like dragon heights, uh, skin gloves, dragon gloves, his wand, things like that. And he's just like, wait, are they made of real dragon, like dragon hide? And Hagrid makes a funny, like, throwaway line about, uh, well, they're not made from penguins, are they? Uh. Kind of scenario. And it, it it's kind of funny uh, as it's going along. But then there's this muggle woman sitting right next to them and she's looking at Haggard going like who the heck are you and he's just like 
how you doing? Just in a cute, haggard way. Like, nothing. Yeah. He's just a little oblivious to the social standards of what's going on with Muggles. But it it's like a minute or so, but it's like hilarious and adds it's a little cute. bit more. I love yeah, I love when they those deleted scenes are so good. You know, they I don't know why they took them out because they add little details that are really fun uh, for us to watch. But just a side note, when I was watching that one, um, I was watching it on Hulu, and <laughs> the closed captions when Hagrid at one point in that scene says "crikey," but they typed it "groigy," <laughs> like "g r o i g y," and I just like paused and started laughing because I thought I was like, "Who?" When somebody was typing that, like, <laughs> right, they think that he was saying groigy. Like, why didn't they stop to think, maybe I should re-listen to this and see what he actually said. So I just thought that that was really funny. And I have something to say about Hagrid and Harry in the boat going back, If unless, Sarah Day, you have something else to mm -hmm. add no. for what we were just talking about. I loved when uh, Hagrid started reading The Daily Prophet when they're in the boat and they're going back. And Harry, in his head, is talking or thinking about how he had so many questions to ask, but he knows from observing Vernon that when adults are reading the newspaper, they like to be left alone. And even though, um, you know, Vernon Dursley is a kind of a special case, uh, you know, he's not somebody that we like as a character, but it's so true that like, it's so cute when you hear kids like recognizing, oh, when an adult is doing this, like they want to be left alone sort of thing. So I just love that that, Again, that little detail, I love that that was added in because it really shows Harry's maturity, understanding that. And um, like, because a lot of kids don't get that or they don't care. And they're just like, no, I'm just going to, you know, get whatever right. attention I can. And um, so I just, I love that she added that in because I thought that that like really said a lot about his character. Yeah, it does. Even it was a yeah. small thing. So are we ready to kind of dive into the leaky cauldron? Well, I think based off of what we were just talking about, like I I like how in the book it mentions that they were taking the train and then in that extended scene we get the train. But in the end, like however we get to the leaky cauldron, we get to the leaky cauldron because that's the first time Harry gets his his question answered, like where is all this wizarding stuff? Mm -hmm. uh, because in the book he's asking what like how is he going to get all this stuff? He's never been to London because he's never left the house with the Dursleys so he's never like he, he doesn't even know where anything is even in the muggle mm -hmm. world he's never been to this place so he's kind of just curious because this is the first time he's going out in general so mm -hmm. it's interesting yeah. to kind of see that in the book's perspective kind of thing and getting a little taste of that in the movie with the extended scene but in general where you have to remember that this isn't just Harry's first ride into the wizarding world this is harry's first ride into the world in general mm -hmm. yeah i do have um a couple more notes um this is the hermione uh, the hermione and ravenclaw part of me um finding all of the notes that i wrote down <laughs> um so on the train i hope that we see in the show hagrid knitting a canary yellow yes. tent um <laughs> <laughs> and um i love how jk and we've touched on this probably in every episode so far that we've recorded and we probably will forever more but i love how hagrid answers the questions that harry asks him 
like it's it's just normal life and so that's one of the things that i know i've mentioned it but i love how jk builds this world where it's like a very normal conversation and they're just like doing normal things but hagrid's introducing him to what the wizarding world is so it's really easy to digest as the reader because it doesn't feel like you're confused trying to remember like every single thing it's just like normal life is also happening in normal situations and then she peppers in so many good details and so I love how she does that and you see a lot of that in these in this scene I guess or this part of the chapter before they get into Diagon Alley and then um I hope that we see Hagrid pointing at parking meters and commenting on how the muggles um, come up yes. with parking meters. You know, that coming was up one with of all the things. Solutions. That yeah. was one of the things and, I was thinking about. Sorry to like catch you off, but like no. the TV show is a perfect medium mm-hmm. to show things like Hagrid going around being like, what is this little like mm-hmm. ticket thing? Yeah. And what is this parking meter? And yeah. oh, what's that? And it's just like, uh, like you don't get to have that in through any other medium because there just isn't enough time. But with the TV show, you can add in a 10 second to 30 second little montage of them just walking through London and Harry just going, Ooh, James, I'm so glad you said montage so that I didn't have to say it. Yes. We love our montages here. (laughs) We love montage. Um, This, before you go on to your second point, Megs, I'm sorry. It, brings back my original question of I wonder what time period they're going to set this in because if they just go out and film you know London I don't know what it looks like but I mm-hmm. am thinking like what if this was like Times Square like it could look so different now in 2023 2024 when they're filming than it did in the 90s and all the different okay, technology and stuff UK listeners particularly Londoners who were alive in the 90s please let us know what what you think that they're going to do and how much different it is. How much different does London look yeah, now? Yeah, like a parking meter. A parking meter. A parking meter. You could probably just tap to pay now instead of putting in coins or right. something. I don't live in a they big have city. To I have, have no a idea. Set. Well, I don't know if they'll even, maybe they won't even film it in London. Maybe they'll film it On somewhere set. else. That yeah, they just build Vancouver a 90s style. Yeah, <laughs> they have to have that. I mean- yeah, no, but I agree. They have to have those little details mm-hmm. um, figured out because be otherwise well, we're going to be coming on our podcast it. and complaining about it. Yeah, I'm really fascinated to be, see yeah. what what time period they set this in for sure. Because mm-hmm. that definitely um, would be I, a decision that they would make uh, early on in the like post production or like pre production mm-hmm. stuff, and they would just be like, "Are we going to keep this time period accurate, or are we going to try and modernize it for a more modern audience?" Yeah, so that they maybe right. get it because a younger generation may not get all the weird, wacky things that we muggles had back in the 90s. Uh, I don't and, know. I feel like they're going to have to get over it. And, and they <laughs> might be just like the wizards who are being like, what is this? Well, and I mean, it that could be, be I mean, it could be a whole different, not story, but the technology that we have today in just a few, you know, three decades has, I mean, it looks like it could be magic now compared to what we had in the nineties. You know what I mean? True. Yeah. Yeah. It Um, is like that much of a difference. So it could be a whole different kind of view point between muggles and wizards and what wizards think of muggles because their technology is so much more advanced now. Yeah. It's a good point. Um, And I love that Hagrid uh, 
he like asks Harry to keep magic quiet and is like talking about how he's not supposed to use magic. And, you know, he's like, they know that, or, and he's talking about how um, the wizarding world, you know, in general has to like keep quiet about their magic from muggles. And yet he's, you know, JK describes him loudly talking about the parking meters and about things that muggles are doing. And I think that was very intentional that like, (laughs) you know, she wrote Hagrid talking about how the wizarding world has to keep things secretive from the muggles. And yet he can't, he cannot help himself, but like compulsively marvel at the, you know, the wonder that is muggle technology. Shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Best line. Super. Shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have said that. Mm hmm. So we arrive at the Leaky Cauldron, if we're all ready to talk about that. And Harry is indeed Mm -hmm. a celebrity. Mm Hmm. I have thoughts on the Leaky Cauldron, but I was just talking a lot. So if somebody wants to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if we if we don't mind, I have a question that I would love to get into. And this kind of jumps past getting to know like the bartender and the other people are saying hi because we meet Professor Quirrell for the first time. Well, then let me just say before we get into Quirrell, I I generally just want more of everybody coming up and shaking his hand and Doris coming back multiple Mm -hmm. times to shake his hand. Um, And I did Mm -hmm. see, um, I believe it's that Ellis Duggle has the top hat in the book and we do see a man with a top hat in the movie, which I thought was great. Um, So he did have a live action role. Yeah. (laughs) Minor role, but he was there. Yeah. Um, But yeah. So other than that, like just wanting more, which we, you know, say continuously throughout this podcast. Um, I, I enjoyed this scene, but go ahead, James. What were you going to say about Quirrell? So, Professor Quirrell, we, and guys, if you don't know the whole ending of this story and you're like reading this with us, it's really not highly suggested because we're going to talk about this <laughs> stuff all the time. But Le- Professor Quirrell has. Yeah, spoilers, has Voldemort on the back of his head right mm-hmm. now, this right now. minute. Uh, I had the same because, thought. And, and he's, he's just so close. He's right there. And obviously, Professor Quirrell's like doing this little stammering thing. But in the future, we know that he's actually a lot more confident and a lot more kind of straightforward. Like the movie shows, like he's just like he stopped stammering altogether. And he's just like this mean person. And Harry's kind of taken aback because it's not poor stammering professor squirrel but like is he pretending to be stammering this entire time yeah because at the very very end um when harry is confronting him major spoilers if you haven't read the book or watched the movie i guess but um at the very end when harry confronts quirrell after they do the chess game and they're going through all of that um he quirrell's talking like normal and harry's like shocked and then quirrell is like did you think that you were gonna be with poor stuttering professor quirrell and so yeah he is i mean unless he i don't know voldemort gives him some type of strength confidence or strength yeah or whatever but i think that he I think he's was faking it. I agree. I think he was faking it from the very beginning, because I thought it would be very interesting to kind of like think upon that and just be like, 
he from the very beginning is faking this entire ordeal or mm -hmm. as he becomes more and more like one one and one with lord voldemort he gets more and more confident in his deeds so maybe like at the beginning uh he didn't lie, like he was scared and that he was timid and he was stuttering because he's got this thing on the back of his head and he doesn't really know what to do with it mm -hmm. but like over time he gets more and more conniving until he's kind of just like, no, I'm not stuttering Professor Quirrell anymore, more any kind of scenario, yeah. which is an intriguing thing to think about. But with Hagrid's like explaining who he is uh, to Harry, Hagrid kind of explains to Harry that he's always been timid. Uh, just mm -hmm. and uh, I think somewhere in the book it mentions that like just the thought of like, oh, he. I think Professor Quirrell said he had to go get a book on vampires and Harry noticed that just the thought about getting vampires like made him look like pale white kind of scenario. Yeah. But like, well, the, the th rumor around him was that he ran into vampires. Um, and that's why he's like terrified. But I think it's kind of a mix of both of your answers and that he probably did slowly, gained the more confidence as Voldemort gained more power as a part of him. But at this point in time, I mean, in the books, it's been all summer that he found Voldemort and has had him attached to him. So he's already had time to plan and plot with Voldemort and for Voldemort to start getting more and more powerful. Um, so it might be a mix of both at this point, or it might be an act at this point already and. Um, but I do think he had the stutter and it slowly went away. I just think at this point he's faking it. Hmm. Mm. Anyways, that was just one of the things I wanted to talk about with this chapter because I I just had that thought in my head. And I was just like, yeah, it's a great question. That dude Thank is you. probably faking it this entire time. <laughs> <Just> like... <laughs> yeah. Any, I, um, Yes, I have thoughts. Um, obviously, I want to see everybody getting up and shaking Harry's hand, as mm -hmm. you already talked about, Sarah Day. And, and the energy that came with it, too, because they, they showed in the movie that people were clearly, um, uh, you know, like, they, they were honored to see Harry and people wanted to shake his hand and stuff. But they, it was just, again, kind of flat. Mm -hmm. The way that they did it in the film, whereas in the book, it, there was so much energy happening. And then Daedalus Diggle is hilarious. I cannot wait until they, I'm just putting it out there in the universe, that they are going to make Daedalus Diggle like, have an actual line. And that. so I can't wait to see how that turns out in the show. And so they can make it more like lighthearted and funny, because that's a funny scene to imagine. And they made it just kind of like just kind of serious and dramatic in the film which yeah. whatever it, i think it worked for the film i think for the whole vibe of the the like mysterious magic um that you feel throughout the whole film that that goes with it yes. but comparing it of course as we are to the books doesn't quite match and so hopefully just in the show they modify that a little bit and make it a little bit more book accurate so definitely want to see that and um i really want to know if the if Daedalus Diggle was who we um who was written in uh chapter one. Oh wait no 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 wait that's right he was 
but we were trying to figure out if other characters in chapter one right. who were celebrating about Harry. So I hope they make those connections, but I hope that there is like a clear connection in this chapter compared to the first chapter yes. when we're watching the show that like that is the same person. Cause I mean, he just like is like a fun character to have it. So I hope that they make it clear, yeah. you know, he, he um, is a fun character and I would yeah. love, I think it would be hilarious if Deadless Diggle is the one that hugs Vernon in the beginning of yes. the chapter yes. and then he returns. That's right. That's what I, that was, that's my head cannon. Yeah. So that, I want yes, that to too. be my head cannon. I want him to be the one that's <laughs> hugging Vernon Dursley. And then of course we get yes. to the point where in the chapter, someone bowed to him Yes, back in like yes. chapter two. That was, that was, Nicholas, wasn't that's it? Was, that, was that was him. I think so. And yeah. Petunia was like trying to get him away because it, he was acting like weird. And he's yes. just like, who is this guy? Yeah. And Harry is like, oh, I remember you. And like, I obviously mm -hmm. would like to see that happen in the TV mm -hmm. show where we see Dedalus Diggle hug Vernon Dursley. And then he comes back and he bows yes. to Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we finally get a name to the face of this old man yeah. that just keeps reappearing. And the excitement, <laughs> the excitement that he has when Harry remembers I him. Know, like when I he says it. it. Oh my God. So much. Absolutely obsessed with Daedalus. I am on the Daedalus train for sure. <laughs> so I hope that he gets that service in the show. Um, and then another little detail that I want to see in the show is when Hagrid claps Harry on the shoulder and Harry's knees buckle. Mm. And there are so many times throughout the whole series where that happens because Hagrid is so big and forgets that, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, there are so many things where, like, that's funny to <laughs> imagine seeing that, you know? Yeah. And so, um, so I hope that they add in even that small detail into the show because I just think that that would totally add to the humor and the lightheartedness and, like, you know adding to Hagrid's character and stuff. So I hope that they add that in. Definitely. I really do hope they add all that in too. Okay. I'm looking through my notes to make sure I don't have anything <laughs> else for the leaky cauldron. And I don't think that I do. <laughs> James, do you, I'm just really excited to uh, show you this page of the Mina Luma. Yes. I can't do wait. it. I can't wait. I, I want to see so, it. Reveal, reveal. Um, and listeners, I will try to take a video. It's not going to fit on uh, just the picture. But um, okay, so here's. Oh, my God. Diagon, here's oh my Diagon Alley in the middle of the Oh, my goodness. And I'll zoom oh, in for listeners, you guys. You're missing out. Oh, my goodness. This is exclusive content. <laughs> wow. She's panning across. It, yeah. <gasps> oh, my oh, my goodness. So many details. Yeah. But the number oh, one you thing listeners. I, know, oh. I know. Well, I'll take a video, I promise, <laughs> and detailed screenshots. Um, but the one thing that stands <laughs> out, and I'll hold it up so you guys can see it. I'm trying not to, like, block my mm -hmm. mouth from my mic. Um, how mm -hmm. colorful this yes. page is. Yes. And yes. I want to see this color. And they, I mean, even the wizards, the way they're described in chapter one and throughout the series and how colorful they are, their outfits and their cloaks, I want to see that color. Um, because when we get to Diagon Alley, we go through the brick wall in the movie. It's just a lot of bricks and that, that more rusty color. In, yeah, in general as a whole. And when you look at this, it's all the colors. And it's still that it's, more like um, like to toned, more like, um, sorry, uh, 
gemstone-y colors. Yeah, yeah. But it's still, jewel tones for gemstones. Yes, yeah. thank you. The jewel tone color color scheme, but it's still bright. Um, mm-hmm. And I just hope that Diagon Alley is like that. And the yes. Wizarding World in general is more colorful yes. than the films portrayed it well, to be. Okay. This is something well, that I think that I wanted to like kind of input in this chapter was this is a great time in I don't understand like why some people aren't even excited about like about this, but this is a great time to reinvent what the world of Harry Potter looks like and to go back in and to like just redevelop what green gots looks like, what these shops look like, what just the whole alleyway, like all the colors, what Hogwarts, like the, just the entire wizarding world to just go in and add those elements that didn't get to get added or, uh was just kind of overlooked or or chosen for a different avenue because that's what they were going for theme wise kind of scenario this is yeah the great like this is a great opportunity for us to just go in and say this is the harry potter world and be able to reimagine it in ways that we just never even thought of and that makes me as like an artist person artistic person really excited to see because that just means that it's a whole playground and a new sandbox mm-hmm. for everybody mm-hmm. that gets to participate in it, which makes me jealous because, you know, I want to <laughs> participate in it, but it is what it is. I, um, I want to show you the illustrated version because I love, um, how this one turned out too. It's not quite as bright as the one that you just showed us. And I already took pictures of this earlier when I was reading through it. Um, but mm-hmm. it has so much detail wow. in all of this. And there's yeah. two pa- So I got through all of this. Oh, I'm like I walking love away all from the my detail. mic. I know. That was my problem, too, when I was showing <laughs> you guys. I love all of the – like, it's a lot more, like, hustle and bustle, I feel like, in yes. that one. And I would love, like, a, combi- so a combination, the hustle and bustle and the brightness and just the character. Like you just said, yes. Well, and I love that they were um, – in this, they show, or the illustrator did um, a bunch of stores that, like, are not in the book or in the movie or anything. So there, I was, like, looking at all of the details, and I was like, I don't know what these are, but that it made it really fun. Like, it made me stop and just stare at the page for a long time trying to, like, look at all of them. And then um, then you see, like, Flourish and Blots and Madame Malkins, and so you see those ones that we do know about that are peppered in there. And yeah, so totally. I just love yeah. that it's it's both of them okay so any more thoughts on the vibrant and colorful look of diagon alley before we move on nope. zero more thoughts so our first we'll stop and look into the wizarding world is the bank gringotts mm-hmm. We get our first look at Griphook and other goblins, and Harry discovers he has an inheritance. I do love how they did Gringotts and how they uh, designed it, I guess, and how they did the goblin scene in the movie. Uh, I think it totally worked with the the vibe of the movie, um, and yes. I think it was just it was just good and mysterious and magical, and it was all the things that they wanted to do. I think my 
first note about Green Guts is not much to say. I thought this yeah, was great. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I think that there's <laughs> there's like little nitpicky things that I would want to change about the conversation between Hagrid and the goblin that he talked to when he was getting the keys. I don't know if we want to talk about that now. Um, but okay, yeah, go ahead. Um, I, I, there are just, I mean, like when Hagrid is trying to get the key and the way that he approaches the desk is like, you know, here, here to get into Harry's vault. And then they're like, do you have your key? And he's pulling all of this stuff out of his pockets, which just more of Hagrid's pocket issues, which I love <laughs> and hope that we see that in the, uh, in the show. Because again, I think it just, you know, keeps adding to the character, keeps adding to the, the lighthearted feeling of what's going on. Um, and then just, even though Hagrid is being secretive in the book about going into vault 713, he was very upfront with Harry about how he had to do Hogwarts business. And, you know, it, it was like, he was being secretive. Like he couldn't divulge all of the information, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't as dramatic. And then in the film, they made it like this really, really dramatic thing. And I'm like, okay, I don't, again, I feel like it fit with the movie for what they were trying to do, but I don't, I I don't want to see that in the show. I think they can make it funner. Uh, yeah, I don't know that it even fit in the movie. Like it was, it was very over it the was top. Really like wink, wink. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the music even added to it a little bit, and it's just like, Whoa. yeah, I know. And you're just like, what is this thing? Actually, now that you mentioned yeah. the music, that is one of the things that I wrote down uh, that goes with what we were just talking about with Diagon Alley in general. The music in that scene and like the wonder on Harry's face was absolutely flawless john williams you know totally i nailed it. do feel like the music kind of matched the vibrancy of the mina yeah. lima yeah but not the actual yes, film the like color, the music yeah. like you just said it. Mm-hmm. yes yeah. from the music which again john williams phenomenal. we just have to mention john williams in every episode i feel like so um so yeah i feel like overall it looked it the scene looked good and it, it did its it did what it was supposed to do but it was just kind of like okay all right, a little bit of an eye roll in my mind with like how dramatic it was. So I hope yes. in the show that they just um, keep it like a little bit funnier and lighthearted, like Hagrid pulling out moldy dog biscuits, like as he's trying to find the key, I think is really funny. Um, and I'm really curious. So when the goblin inspects the key, that's how they determine that it's like acceptable that Hagrid can use that key to go into the vault. Um, what are they looking for? Like, I'm curious, is there lore that either of you have seen um, on wizardingworld.com or anything about like is there an inscription or like how how can the goblin like how is that their test well, is looking at just the key this is this is probably just me head cannoning it but um goblin made yes, materials I was just gonna say that. <laughs> are very are very like well known yeah, to them yeah. like they they know their own craft mm-hmm. and they know their own like they're kind of like dwarves from lord yeah, of the rings yeah. essentially I was just they're that. where dwarves kind of know their own work and they know their own craft and the kind of thing goblins are very similar to dwarves in this world where where they are really good metal crafters and they're really good smiths and like earlier, like later on, when we find out about the the sword, the sword of Gryffindor, like Griffhook is just explaining everything and anything about the sword and how well like mm-hmm. he knows it and how like how he can tell a fake from an original and all this other stuff. So I think the keys um, are goblin made uh, 
to pertain to each family totally and their sense. own vault. And so they know they know that it is a real key because they want to probably prevent people from coming in and having fake keys to say, oh, I want to access this person's vault and here's my mm-hmm. key. Because, you know, some person could be like, oh, I'm here well, to like access a new key. But they can be like, oh, this is an authentic mm-hmm. key goblin made. It's not a fake, it's the real yeah. person. Well, of course, because I was like, they're going to, you know, anybody could say that they had a key or they could make a fake one. And so right as I said it, I was like, oh, duh, they can just tell if it's Goblin made or not. But it would be interesting, though, to like, you know, learn more about that. But I do love that that's probably a little teaser that JK put in and didn't really explain so that in the seventh book mm-hmm. that you kind of come back to that. I do want to say something real quick about it can be a Diagon Alley in general, but definitely pertaining to goblins specifically. I want to see a spinoff series, even just a short series of Diagon Alley employees and just like their day to day. Oh my God. Like a documentary. Wouldn't that be so. Or like office style. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Like with the interviews and everything. I think that would be. Oh yes. no, that would be so, <laughs> so chaotic. Funny. And then they could do one with the goblins too, or like they could just have like their own, like a big part of one of the episodes or something. Because like imagine like their the goblins conversations, like you know behind this, like behind yes. the um the bank doors or whatever. Like when they're not talking with clients, like there's just so they're so mysterious and they're so smart and cunning and all of that. And so it would be so. I think so interesting to have like a hilarious spinoff series about what the, what the day-to-day life is of the office. Yeah. Of Diagon Alley employees. I think that would be so much fun. That's so fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so something. Uh, Nobody I was steal that by the way. About. If anybody makes that movie and doesn't credit me for it or doesn't hire me to produce it, I'm going to be really mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> So um, something I was thinking about as like all this is going on is I want to see the new and improved Gringotts. I want to be able to see Gringotts in a new fashion because in the book, I am always imagining it as this grand building in the middle of this alleyway. Mm -hmm. And in the movies, it doesn't feel grand. It doesn't feel like it's it just feels like it's a part of the alleyway and just another building. Whereas in the book, it feels like it, it definitely stands out. It's literally a white marble palace. We need the Coliseum. Almost. So, it, so you literally are just walking up towards this big, giant building, and you're just like, oh, that is a bank. Like, wow, yep, that is a bank. Mm-hmm. And I want to see the giant doors. I want to see the silver doors that have the, like, the little poem uh, mm-hmm. about warning, yeah. warning people to, like, don't come in to take your things like you're only here for your stuff and all that stuff like i want to be able to see that i want to be able to see all the working goblins i want to be able to see like all like i want to see more the busyness of a bank because that bank did not really feel busy (laughs) it it, like you showed us goblins it showed us goblins working and all that stuff but there was like no wizards anywhere yeah and yeah. I want to see Hagrid kind of walking past wizards who are maybe trying to get a deposit or maybe trying to like 
uh, withdraw, like withdraw some money or get a loan. And they're just just like, here's, here's my authentic family heirloom uh, that I want to be appraised. And the goblin is like looking through it and like this little like glass thingy and just kind of like kind (laughs) of scenario. But like, I want to, I want that busyness. And then I want Hagrid to try and find an open stall so that he can just go up to a stall and be like, here, I'm here for it. Whereas in the movie, he kind of just walked up to the main desk, like not like yeah. like nothing's ever like like I'm the most important person here kind of scenario. Mm. Whereas that, I feel like that position would have been like that's the guy who's watching everything, and you just came up to me and you're just like asking me for this things. Like this is for one of my people down the hall there that way. Mm-hmm. But how did you feel about the adaptation of? like the underground and the like tracks going through and getting to the actual vault. So when I thought about the tracks, I was thinking about a roller coaster and to, to their, to their credit and to to like, to be fair, they did their best with it. I don't think they actually had the technology to be able to do what I was envisioning. Mm -hmm. But when I read it in the book, I am reading Harry going through this roller coaster of a cart because it's supposed to be so huge that you get lost. You can't remember mm-hmm. like the most adept person at remembering isn't supposed to be able to remember how to get mm-hmm. out. It's designed purposefully to go crazy to make you lose your sense of direction. Yeah. And that would be perfect to see in a TV show. Like just having a five minute segment where we get to see how they go down into the depths and the dungeon. Like we just see the dungeons of this bank and like how scary it can be and a huge lake underneath and a dragon maybe flying by and breathing some fire and just seeing well, all and these things. That in the book, like he says he sees some fire mm-hmm. and he turns around to see if it's a dragon, but it was not quick enough because mm-hmm. uh, you're yep. going so fast on this roller coaster. So um, I think I they didn't have the technology to yeah. do it. So what they yeah. did was good. But now that we have the technology to do this, and I know that I've know of some movies and TV shows that have done similar scenes like this, they have to do it now because that would be an amazing little segment of the episode as we're just seeing Gringotts in this roller coaster type faction where we're seeing these things pass by and we're seeing Harry and then Hagrid's getting sick, obviously. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and and all this stuff like that needs to like obviously that needs to be one of the things that can help authenticate this world a little bit more uh that we just didn't get to have because of uh just because of the technology at the time totally agree right yeah i feel the exact same way i think that they did such a good job for being the what 2001 um well and they filmed it earlier than that so i think they did such a good job for the time period and um, you definitely get the sense of it being like, you know, an underground thing, Grand. you know, so I yeah. think that they they made it work. But of course, yeah, when you're reading the books, it is like this crazy winding roller coaster and yeah, the dragons and stuff. So they just, you know, as usual, elaborated a lot more in the books, created a deeper world of whatever they're talking about mm-hmm. for that scene um, or whatever JK is talking about for that scene. And so hopefully... Now that we have much better technology um, and CGI and all of that uh, in the show, we'll get, um, I don't know, we'll just get more of that. Yeah. So, but, but I think they did a good job. 
Yeah, I agree. Well, and it's interesting to note that this is the only time we're ever going to see the underground until book seven. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah. we never get to explore Green Gots ever until the final book. And, right. and so why not? Again. Why not go and take a few minutes to explore yeah. this yeah. little part of the world that no one's ever going to see again for seven years. Yeah. Seven years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we get to Harry's vault. And the note I wrote here is that little baby Dan, the face he makes when the door opens and he sees all this gold was just too cute. <laughs> it is really cute. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm loving, loving baby Dan in this. Well, and what's funny is that um, we don't know the name in the book. We don't know the names of the piles of gold and the piles of silver yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it says lots of nuts because that's what Harry learned earlier in his conversations yeah. with Hagrid at the very beginning on the island. He learned what a bronze nut is. Uh, and so he was just so he, seeing that kind of perspective in her writing and how she's able to kind of just continue that process and in his mind he's like he sees piles of gold and silver he knows that's a lot of money but he doesn't know what they're called yet Mm -hmm. (laughs) he doesn't know that they're galleons or sickles and i thought that was a cute little detail that that she put in because it still shows you it's the perspective of Mm -hmm. harry which i think is super important to keep going forward because i'll probably share this at the end of the chapter but I really think Harry's perspective is like a key element in how these stories are, are written and they need to be a key element in how uh, they're going to be adapted moving forward. Because I think they did a a decent job with the movies, but obviously like it could have, you could have be like, you could have expanded upon it and a little bit more, but there should be a way to be able to see it from his perspective going forward in the in yeah. the TV show, most definitely. I do think that I I do want to see more of of Harry's perspective in the show than they did in the films, but I do also want the show to take advantage of having the complete lore and being able to explore other people's perspectives as well. Mm-hmm. Um, did they mention in the book? Vault 687 for Harry? No. Okay. So I wasn't sure if I was missing something or not, but that's interesting, I think, that they put that into the movie, but did not put it into the... But it wasn't in the book. Like, specifically the number? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't mentioned in the book at Mm -hmm. all, which... I know because I re like I read it just a couple of hours ago, right. so it's fresh in my mind. <laughs> yeah, me too. So I I thought that was interesting. Usually, it's not like that. So um, I don't know, listeners, if you know the reason why, call in. Well, and the train Hogwarts Express also had a number on it that it doesn't have mm. in the books. All right. So I think they just wanted like more visual, de- like numerical yeah. details. Yeah. Curious. Which is interesting in of itself. Curious, very curious. But we get that. We we do get our first look at the key component of the book, which is the Sorcerer's Stone. Do we know it's the Sorcerer's Stone? No. <laughs> but it obviously in the movies it gives us a clue to 
us like to us that that is a big uh plot point uh for the story because the music obviously like john williams does like it gives us that little eerie tone of like oh this is a very important item whereas in the book it's kind of like we know it's important because hagrid can't tell us anything about it it's a super secure door because griff hook mentions oh you know if somebody uh tries to do that that is not a goblin they get sucked into the door and harry's like uh, how many, how how like often do you check to see if someone's in the door? Well, like every ten years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it, obviously, like the joke aside, like that's a high security vault, and so Harry's like thinking, oh, it's got to be like a super rich vault with like jewels and all this stuff, and then he opens, I was like, oh, it's empty, Nothing. but he doesn't yeah. realize that it's just a little bag. Mm-hmm on the floor it's not even on a pedestal like in the movie it's on the floor (laughs) (laughs) and it's just like underwhelming kind of scenario you don't really know what that is in the book and so you don't really know that it's important whereas in the movie it's calling attention to you very immediately that this is something that is important for the story going forward which i think is an interesting development between the two like the two mediums and how the tv show will take that going Mm -hmm. forward any other Gringotts thoughts? Um, n- actually, my one last thing, which I'm probably lying. There's probably more that I can't find in my notepad right now. But um, the uh, the thought that Harry has in his head when he sees the money and um, and he thinks, you know, out of, of all the times that the Dursleys have told him how much they uh, how much they have spent on him and how much he costed them by them taking mm-hmm. him in and you know all the while he had this money oh yeah i mean like god to be 10 years old almost 11 and to like already know that like and i you know there's a difference between a parent saying to a child like you know it, you need to have a a perception you need to have the perception of like that money exists and we have to spend it you know you need to be conscientious of the fact that we are spending money like there's a difference between a parent just like teaching a child that money exists and they should be uh grateful that somebody is paying for them to do things and for them to be alive and then you know then there's that difference between how the dursleys treated him which we know of course that the dursleys were horrible but you know it's little moments like that that jk adds in with what harry is thinking about how it was not that the Dursleys were trying to explain to Harry the concept of money. It was like telling him a child how much of a burden he was. And he didn't ask to even be born at all. And he definitely didn't ask to be with the Dursleys. And so to be so stuck yeah. in so many ways. And then to, as a 10 year old, have like to know that burden that other people, adults put on him when adults are supposed to protect you and take care of you as a kid. And so it's just like, Oh, there's just so many little things like that where JK mm. does a good job of writing something that's totally heartbreaking like that into like a lighthearted story, yeah. you know, and you can, even as a kid reading it, you can understand like that that sucks. That's not okay. That Harry has those feelings and that the Dursley said that to him, you know, as a, even as a kid that that's not okay. And so anyways, I just, I love that she added that in. Cause I think it just, you know, keeps adding to that depth and maturity that Harry has. Well, and I think this is something that we'll be able to delve deeper into chapter six, because we're going to get a good mirror of a character's like lifestyle 
with Ron mm-hmm. and his family set up and and how he feels about his mm-hmm. situation versus how Harry's feeling about his situation mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's obviously going to be something that we'll kind of dive into a little bit, I think, uh, as we do that kind of comparison, because Harry sees Ron's like Ron's awkwardness and all that stuff. But um, he's trying to make him feel better about his situation, like saying it's not all that bad. Don't be embarrassed about it. I've been through worse. Mm-hmm kind of scenario so it it will be interesting to talk about that in the next chapter well our next stop in Diagon Alley is his uniform and we see um, or we're introduced I should say to his future arch nemesis Draco Malfoy can I say (laughs) one thing also I've just remembered in the book Hagrid says, "Grab the money," and then he he we he basically says that should take care of you for a couple of terms. Like Harry has enough money <laughs> to buy things and supplies for a few years. Well, I, <laughs> like, I think I what more? when he said that when Hagrid gave him that money, and that's how it, it was laid out. I mean, I remember being little and reading it and being like, "Whoa!" Like all that money, but I then like told myself that it was you know if he needed if there were any necessities that did pop up that he needed some money for he wouldn't have like there's nobody who can send him money parchment yeah so that's how i took it is that that haggard meant like if there was any like random things or like potion ingredients or whatever that he did have to purchase because he doesn't have a parent that can just send him money the way that most of the other kids do so that's how i took Mm, it but I, i do remember reading it when i was eight and being like Oh my goodness! He just like <laughs> but he specifically says that should serve you for a couple of terms. But the terms so are well, term and I think it's like a semester. A, yeah, that's what I thought too. Like they were throughout the school, like a couple terms of the school year. So like enough for the school year. That's what I thought. I thought I thought the term was the entire year. I thought I don't. I I see them taking those classes the year long. Well, they have a whole break, you know, for the holidays, and I for me. I considered a term as a semester and it's like part one and part two of the okay. school year. British. Um, but we'll have to talk to yes, Karen. British yeah, listener. Our, our British correspondent. Please, please write in and let us know because we have limited. Because now we got to know. We, we got to know if he has enough for just the one year or if he has How enough for a couple of money years. money does Harry have? <laughs> I feel like it's a game show. You need to get JK on. But because of because of that, he he's obviously now going and spending this money. So his first stop is the the rope shop, right? Mm -hmm. And we meet Draco Malfoy, I think was what Sarah Dave was just saying. So Mm -hmm. that's obviously something that doesn't happen until you get to Hogwarts in the movie. Mm -hmm. Right. You don't meet him. And um you also see him again on the train to Hogwarts, and that's mm-hmm. not in the movie. So there's two scenes of Draco Malfoy that are cut mm-hmm. and smushed into the Hogwarts scene mm-hmm. in the film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not pleased about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's an interesting re- interaction because uh, J.K. Rowling obviously does a good job in introducing us to this character right off the bat and kind of just giving us the bad vibe automatically from the Mm get-go. So you know that he is not a good 
<laughs> you know that he's just not a good person when you when you when you see him talking about these things and the more that harry is having a conversation with him the more he is feeling stupid and he's feeling dumb and like he he's having these bad feelings and he's just like i don't like this person because he's speaking to me condescendingly mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. He, and it and she she specifically is mentioning that uh, he has a Dudley vibe, yes. which is something that we talked about yes. earlier. Oh, I love in a good callback. Episodes how how <laughs> we felt like D- Draco Malfoy was a mirror to Dudley, and he's yeah. just Let the bully of the wizarding world. My shoulders, mm-hmm. yes. Um, what, and another thing that is cut out of the scene it, um, with Malfoy is it's the first mentions of both the Hogwarts houses and Quidditch. Oh yeah. Yes. I, and Harry's like, what are those? <laughs> yes. Which leads us back to like all of the questions that he's going to, he goes back and asks Hagrid all of those questions. Yes. And I have, I wrote down notes about that. So I don't know if we want to get into that now or if we want to, if we have to stay organized in some way, Sarah Day. Um, but I have notes about, I don't think we need to stay organized at all. <laughs> okay, good. I love not being organized. Just one wild and free. <laughs> um, I, uh, well, first of all, I love the dry interaction between Harry and Draco. I, um, I feel like in the movie, I, I just, I don't understand why they took that out of the robe shop. Maybe it's because they didn't want to spend money on like building a robe shop set, you know, like it might've been something like that, but, um, I, but I mean, they even cut him out of the train. I'm sorry. We'll talk about this in the next chapter, Yeah, you know, and like there's, on the train, I believe they don't even have Neville on the train, and it's just Hermione's introduction. Which maybe they just wanted to highlight her, but yeah, I feel like they yeah they just why why so wouldn't you right yeah I yeah. feel like it was that like they felt like they needed to just emphasize one character, but I don't know why they did. like it would have taken one minute maybe to add Neville in, but who I mean whatever they obviously were just cutting things out because they didn't want the movies to be too long, right? And they also cut out several other stores um we get i know our favorite word montage yes, yes i wrote down uh, obviously that's what is going to happen with these stores because they're they're cute little tidbits in the in the book and so obviously like they're we don't need like a five minute thing in every store as we're exploring all these things but like a good 30 seconds for every store Mm -hmm. in the tv show where we kind of see all these cool little objects uh as harry is observing them and going into it's like oh this bookstore oh look at these books cool oh look at this potion shop oh that's awesome oh look at this like this other thing, like I want to buy that golden like cauldron yes. right there. I wrote down buying the golden cauldron, buying the color changing ink and the ice cream. I, I want to see, just like you said, James, we're all on the same page here. I want to see in the show them showing all of that because it just like, it adds so much. And even though it's simple, like that's normal life. And that's kind of what makes it fun is to see what wizards and witches or, you know, people in the wizarding yes. world would do in a normal situation, like going to buy chocolate and raspberry yes. ice cream with nuts. And yes. these characters come back. Like the, uh, the ice cream guys. For, for Tescue. Fortescue. 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 Yes, they come back. 
<laughs> they come back in book three mm-hmm. and are really good to Harry. And so a big just part. getting that introduction to them. This, yes. <laughs> so getting them introduced in this little scene would be really nice to see them come back. Yes. Well, and I think it would just be a cute little thing for us to have that drudgery of Draco Malfoy. Mm. And then he comes out and explains what happened to Hagrid yes. and they're just eating ice yes. cream. Such and Hagrid's just like, don't worry about it. Let's go spend some money. And then we just have this like little happy, happy point. money thing where he's just going around to each store and he's just like, ooh, yeah, here, I'll pay for that. And I'll pay for that. Oh, I have money to spend. Boom. Yes, I love that. <laughs> I, I, that's so true that they that it started out. I do really like how, well, I mean, obviously going to Gringotts, that makes sense. But then the first time that Harry's like left alone, he's in Diagon Alley. He hasn't gone anywhere yet besides Gringotts with Hagrid. Then the first thing that he does is meet you know, this kid. And then yes, the rest of it is just this wonderful magical time and just like a great way for Harry to like wrap up his birthday with that. Because is it birthday? birthday. Exactly. I do I do love that um she wrote it in that order. And but and I do really want to see the interaction between Harry and Draco in um in the robe shop and like the the way that they were talking in the robe shop too because when they I mean obviously they put it into a different whole like a whole different scene of the movie um but the way that it was acted and well the way that they were told to act it out the way that it was directed it just is different it's like just a different vibe again goes with the you know kind of over dramatized stuff that's in the films in general but um I I want to see the like dry wit that Harry has when they're talking and you you get the sense of course in the film that Malfoy is like um you know super arrogant whatever like you get you get that you know what he's like but it's different in the the book books because he doesn't know who Harry is and then in the film he does know who Harry is already and so you just miss that whole, he's just being a normal um, Malfoy yeah. family member in a normal world for him, not realizing who he's talking and Harry to. Is you responding know, and it, to a bully as a normal kid, not as yeah. somebody who has the whole weight of being Harry Potter on his shoulders as the person's talking yes. to him. Yes. Oh, we're making such mm-hmm. good points here. <laughs> oh, Lovely. and I do wonder, I wrote down. So right when Draco asks for what Harry's last name is, sorry, his surname, um, and then that's right when, is it Hagrid comes in or Madame Malkin stops him? Madame Malkin stops him. So then that was how that conversation ended. And I wrote down, I wonder if that didn't happen if instead JK had written it in a slightly different way where nobody prevented nobody prevented the conversation from ending Mm. and if Harry would have said it or not, because I feel like even as a young kid, Harry probably would have known maybe I shouldn't say it right now or, but I could also see him saying like, actually my last name is Harry Potter, bitch. You know, like I could totally see it (laughs) going either way, but I did write that down because I do think that that's interesting you know, like a choose your own adventure kind of thing. Um, listeners, write yeah. in and tell us what you think Harry would have done if he wasn't stopped before telling Draco his last name. Listeners, I'm the listeners a that's lot of like homework. the fifth time. That's the fifth time Meigs has told you to write in. So you might as well just do it. I'm giving it everybody now, so guys. much homework. Come on. A true Ravenclaw. A true Ravenclaw. 
Um, and I also did write down Hagrid explaining Quidditch. Totally want to see that in the show because it's so cute how Hagrid's like, I, I can't explain yeah. it, you know? And um, I think it's important to see as much of as possible. I mean, you get the sense of Hagrid being like a paternal type of figure uh, for Harry. Of course, you get that in the film. But like, you know, you get so much more of it, of course, in the book. And so even just little things like that where Hagrid is trying to explain Quidditch and kind of bumbling around with it. Um, and I, yeah, so I just want to see that. And then another thing that I also really want to see. So this is part of my uh, my spinoff series of all the Diagon Alley employees. So I really want to see Flourish and Blots with the book titles are so funny. Whenever JK like gives an example of some really random book that, you know, that Harry was looking at, like the titles are hilarious. And so... I feel like so much could be done with that shop alone and that shop owner. And I want to see like Matthew Berry's Laszlo character in what we do in the shadows in that TV show. If anybody has seen that, I want to see like him be the owner of that shop. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just like Google a couple lines from him. I think that that would be really funny. So that is my, my fan cast of who would be the Flourish and Blots owner for the spinoff series that I'm going to produce and direct whenever I get the, uh, the okay to do that. So anyways, that's yes. awesome. I love it. I want to make a note that I think that it is adorable that Hagrid gets to play paint. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And how, how, how much of a dad vibe he's giving because I, I guess I never really considered it at the very beginning, but maybe it's because I haven't been a dad before I read reread these. Last time I reread these was probably back a while ago, and like the only like it was before I had children, basically. Uh, and so I the only interaction with the Harry Potter world was like video games and, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I haven't reread the books officially in a long time, and so I haven't like thought about it in that way before but now that i'm a dad and i like know like those little tweaks i see that all over Mm -hmm. hagrid who who never got to be like a parent but he he's very parent-like to all of these creatures and this is like the first human being that he's interacted with that he feels like he needs to do the same thing for because hagrid is just a collector of uh of broken creatures basically like you see that throughout the entire series the people that that he adopts into his life are creatures that don't have that parallel confidence in themselves and this here's harry who doesn't have confidence in himself and doesn't know if he's going if he doesn't (laughs) know if he's going to be like a good wizard or anything and haggard's just like i am now adopting you into my like little family and you're you are important and like i do care about you (laughs) and i think that i think that he is cared about and he he cares about harry in this way only because he knew james and lily potter Mm -hmm. And it mm. comes back to uh, their effect on on people. Like, yeah, I knew who they were. They were great people. I need to take care of their son. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was also contributing influence. So just who Hagrid is, and on top of the fact that he respects his parents so much, yeah. he has decided to come out and help this boy adapt into a world that he has no knowledge yeah. about. 
whatsoever. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah. Is Hedwig, is that before or after Ollivander's shop? I keep forgetting. Before. Before. I just want... They do a quick... Yeah, they do a quick stop in the Flourish and Blots, Apothecary, and then I Okay, that's right. So I... And Hagrid's like, I am going to buy you a birthday present, and it's going to be I an animal. I love it. Well, no, and that's such a smart gift, though, because Harry probably wouldn't have... I mean, who knows if he would have done that for himself, you know? And so I feel like that's right. such a thoughtful gift. Of course, an owl being, you know, a useful creature, a useful pet for Harry. Like, Hagrid know, know ahead of time, like, how helpful that would be. Yeah. And so I love that. And also, I wrote down about how meaningful Hedwig is for so many reasons. So, like, it's the first time somebody's ever gotten him a thoughtful gift. or I mean, re- a real gift at all. But, like, definitely a thoughtful gift. Um, and it's useful and um, something that wouldn't embarrass him at school, which I thought was really cute that Hagrid had thought about, too. And then um, the I mean, just the first time that he was given a birthday gift, like it's just so it makes yeah. the rest of the relationship that Harry has with Hedwig. And we'll, obviously we'll talk about this, you know, throughout the future uh, books that we do. But like there are just so many times where. Hedwig is the only being that Harry has around him and he, you know, Mm -hmm. he has her for years. And so it's just so meaningful, like anything that happens to Hedwig in the future and like their relationship and how it evolves and stuff. It's like, it's so cute because it, it just means so much more than if it was just like, you know, if he had gotten a bunch of gifts before, or if he bought Hedwig himself and had already had owls in the past or whatever, you know, it just, like that moment and that gift means so much more down the line. So I just, I love, I love that. I, I love that we know that, you know, right away. And then it just keeps evolving from there. Okay. I think that's it for me for now, <laughs> before we go into the ones. So now we are heading to the one, <laughs> the only Mr. Ollivander. Which I did not know his first name is Garrick. I completely forgot. <laughs> I, every time. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I was like, that is the coolest name, Ollivander. I've been calling you by your last name this entire time without knowing your first I, name. And now he's just Garrick I to me. I forget it. Yes, he is forevermore Garrick. Uh, but I forget his first name every time. Like after I finish the book, I forget it. And then every time I reread it, I'm like, oh, that's right. That's his first name. And then I forget it again anyway. So hopefully this it's time a cool <laughs> first it name. Is. Yeah. It is a I nice actually name. wrote down after I read Garrick Ollivander, I wrote down Ollivander lore question mark. <laughs> so I feel like I need to do research. Oh, I'm sure lore. that there is a bunch of it. I'm notoriously bad at looking up lore stuff um just an fyi for the listeners in case they're like okay why are you doing a harry potter podcast and you don't even know anything about olivander lore so just fyi i'm just like we don't need to be we do not need to be super fans Mm -hmm. in order to talk about Mm -hmm. harry potter anyways but yeah i love that though i do know quite a bit so i was gonna say i am a super totally are yeah well i mean i am (laughs) as far as remember for the most part remembering everything except for garrick and his first name but um (laughs) i uh yeah i just whatever anyways um but I also wrote down the 382 BC. Like, I love that. That's so old. And um, I just love, I just love those details that are added into the books. And it just makes yeah. it so much like, just like so much more magical. 
So this is an interesting scene because this is one of the things the movie chose to highlight uh, in Diagonality. Mm -hmm. Uh, and obviously they chose to admit Hagrid and just make this a personal experience for Harry, which I thought was an interesting concept uh, with how they chose to do it, which I mean, like in of itself, like he let, they left Harry, he like Hagrid left Harry alone. He's in this weird shop. He's choosing a partner uh, in magic, basically. Uh, this wand is just an extension of himself, like the wand chooses the wizard kind of concept. But in the book, we get such a different vibe of who Ollivander is. Mm -hmm. And I think that the movie Ollivander, like John Hurt, I love him. John Hurt's mm -hmm. one of my favorite actors, and I miss him so much. Mm -hmm. But he he brought a different vibe to the character than it was originally in the book. And I think his vibe works really well for what the movie was trying to yeah. do. But this Ollivander, I cannot see John Hurt playing this Ollivander, mm -hmm. the book Ollivander, mm -hmm. which is a complete and different character mm -hmm. than how he was portrayed in the movies. And I think it would be very interesting to see somebody transform this character into what he was originally intended to be because this is like, he's just an intriguing mm -hmm. person. He just, he's never blinking. He remembers all these details. He's like, I remember every wand I've sold Mr. Potter. And I'm right. just like, what kind of life do you live? Because so <laughs> like, I, I can't remember all of these things. Like what the heck? Oh, I love that. But he's, he's just an interesting character and he's one of the few characters I think would be very well justified in having get a redo because he will mm -hmm. be uh he he will be able to get transformed into a way that we just don't get to see that often um i'm raising my hand uh i i feel like in the book olivander sorry garrick's character reminds me of merlin from shrek 3 and I don't know if either of you have seen it and how many <laughs> listeners have seen it, but it is one of my favorite movies of all time. I am absolutely obsessed with that movie, the third one in particular. And Merlin's character is so funny in that. And I feel like in my head, Garrick is a little bit more mysterious, like a little bit um, more like on right. top of his shit than Merlin is. But I feel like that like really like kooky vibe. And so I would love, I would love to see um, a, a live action version of Merlin from Shrek um, playing Eric. So anyways, that's who's in my. Well, I just met like when he's talking to Harry, I just imagined him getting in his face a little yeah. bit. He's just like, and that's Scar. Yeah. And he mm -hmm. said, and he like sends out the details of the, of the wand. He's just like, yeah, that I didn't really know that that wand was going to do what mm -hmm. it did. But if I had known, but I like imagine he's like right in front of Harry's yes. face, and he's just kind of just like Harry's kind of like, "Who the crap are you?" Yes. Just like, well, and he also whoa. has the measuring tape that oh is God, yes. has it mind of its own. And that's also like up in Harry's face. I as wrote well. down measuring tape in my notes because that is mm -hmm. so funny, and I need to see that in the show. Measuring between his nostrils, especially like, yes, yep. so exactly. funny. So I hope we see that. Right. The only thing I wrote for Ollivanders was besides measuring tape, 
Loved it. Loved Love the it. scene. And like you do have a point that it's completely two different yeah. characters, but John Hurt did really did he do did. a great Absolutely. job. He did, which is yeah. why I love him as an actor. But yeah. So I really love the two movie. different characters. Mm-hmm. Yes, a hundred percent. But I really do love what the film did with that character. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than wanting to see the measuring tape, and you know, you're right, the measuring tape might not really even fit with the version that we no. got. So I would love to see a more goofy Ollivander mm-hmm. and just yes, having that mystery. Um, because I that I think that's what I liked the best about the film version mm-hmm. was the intensity of it. Yeah, absolutely. And so mm-hmm. I feel like because that yeah. that matches what they were going for in general, there's so much um there's so much more like yeah. subtle mystery going on and like drama kind of going on throughout the films. Um besides I would say films three and four definitely had a different feeling to them compared to the rest of them. But for this one that's you know just more subtle and mysterious. And I feel like the way John Hurt played Ollivander was flawless for this for this film and the way that the rest of it was directed it totally matched. So in the show, obviously, it's going to be funny and lighthearted. And so we got to have a... a different, well, yeah, a because film. the character in the book is, is a complete and utter just like crazy person not like crazy in a good way though but like because he's not he's not cuckoo or anything like that he's he's literally just different and he shows a, a, a niche he's eccentric there you go that's the word i'm looking mm-hmm. for but essentially he's just this eccentric guy who has loved his mm-hmm. life the way that he's lived it uh mm-hmm. he obviously adores the crafting of wands because he remembers mm-hmm. every single one he's ever sold like that is not a normal person by right. any means, wizarding or or not. So obviously, like seeing that eccentricity in in this new TV show would be amazing because he's doing so much in this small section of the book. He, he doesn't try three ones; he tries like three hundred. Oh I like I he's he's constantly going nope nope nope, so and he's funny. loving it. So funny. He is loving every single second of it because he's like, ooh, he's, this is a tricky one, but I'll figure it out. I love that whole scene and imagining that whole scene, I think is, it's just, it's so funny. And I really hope that they put that into the show where like before Harry even moves the wand, when Oliver just snatches it right out of his hand and it's like, nope, not that one. And then, um, yeah, I like, I love that whole scene. It reminds me a little bit of um, the scene that we will for sure get in the TV show of Vernon Dursley slowly spiraling out of control and them trying to like pack up the car and all of that. I feel like it's the same sort of vibe where it's like, just like a montage, you know, with the like, great music of Ollivander. Montage. Yeah. Yeah. Of Ollivander, like, you know, being the show is just yeah. going to be called Harry Potter. Montages. Yes. Oh, I'm down for that. Um, I also want to see in the show, more of the the dialogue that um garrick has about the wand information like the structure of the wands and what the why am i trying to say ingredients uh the ingredient the ingredients (laughs) of the wands um the materials materials. thank you uh so i want to see more of that because i think that's really interesting and just like adds to the world building without it being so like she's trying too hard to build a world just to make a different, you know, it's like just enough of the world yeah. building while still being digestible. And so I want to see more mm-hmm. of that conversation that did happen in the book when we see the perfect TV version of it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Super high expectations um, here. And my, <laughs> does anybody have anything else to say about um, Ollivander's shop before I give another um, example of something that I want to see in a spinoff show? <laughs> no, it's all about the spinoff. Okay. Please. So the way that this um, this shop is described is really dusty, obviously eccentric, like it's, you know, just kind of like the dust in the window when you see the purple cushion with the wand laying on it. And, you know, just like everything's really dusty and really old. I mean, the shop is 2000 plus years old. And so everything's really dusty. And I want to see as part of the spinoff series, um, a la office style of all of the Diagon Alley employees, <laughs> I want to see one of the shop owners be a total neat freak. And like being like all of these other shops are like so dusty and dirty and there's spiders crawling everywhere. And like, I don't understand why I'm the only one that tries to keep my shop really clean. Like Monica from friends, like that level of uh, being a clean freak. So I think that uh-huh. that would be, um, that I mean, should be Madam mm-hmm. Milkum. I think that that would just be like, Madam Milkum's robe shop. She needs yeah. like her robe shop's got to be immaculate. Yes, because there's got to be somebody in that world. Because the way that J.K. writes, you know, the Wizarding World in general, a lot of the uh, the settings are like that. A lot of the buildings, you know, are just kind of like dusty and old, which is fine. But there's got to be people like shop owners out there in the Wizarding World who are just like, uh, uh-uh, my place is like totally spotless all the time. And so, anyways, I just I thought that would be funny to add in. Again, nobody steal my ideas. Uh-huh. These are copyrighted. Okay. <laughs> I am super pumped to see what kind of spinoffs that this series, should it do well, creates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I, because they're trying to create uh, a universe type scenario yeah. with this material because, I mean, they're looking at what Marvel's mm-hmm. done. They're looking at what Star Wars is doing. Yes. They're looking at what all these other like franchises are being able to expand into. And they're just like, we have Harry Potter and we're not doing anything with it. Like, come on, we need to like get this ball rolling. And especially since um, the DC universe is now going to be run by James Gunn and that's all under the same umbrella too. Mm -hmm. So they've got like a very good role model under their same umbrella now. Yes. Yes. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. I didn't either until just now. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> Folks. Look at that. Folks, you're seeing it happen live. <laughs> okay, I think that's all that I have for the wands. James, any other Ollivander thoughts? Nope. I just hope it goes well. <laughs> so I have a fun fact for you guys about wands yes. and the cost. It is noted that Harry spends seven galleons on his wand, which um, I don't know who's done the math and these uh, like conversions here, but seven galleons is about $56 or 35 pounds. Love it. Wow. I love that. Mm-hmm. So that's how much a wand costs <laughs> to go to school. <laughs> I love this lore. That's so funny. <laughs> I oh, so Harry, I also want to see Hagrid sitting in the spindly chair and then when Ollivander like shouts at one point and kind of like or no when he shows up when they didn't see him yet and then he like surprises them by appearing yep. and then Harry hears a crunch up by the chair and then Hagrid just like moves to the side or whatever. I want to see um I want to see all those moments cuz they're mm-hmm. just like so funny. 
Oh, and the conversation he has with Ollivander, like Hagrid's like, oh, Hagrid, nice to yes. see you. Your yes. wand's information. Too bad they snapped that beautiful thing because you got expelled. Mm, right. And I'm not like, what the crap? Like, this guy has no filter because that's like privy information. Like, what if Hagrid feels embarrassed about mentioning he got right. expelled? Like, he told Harry, but like, if that had been anybody else, like, goodness gracious, social boundaries, well, I, Garrick. I, come I on. If Garrick is like, is informed of that because he is the wand maker for everybody in that area, you know? And so I wonder if he's like notified um, about it. Well, I, I don't know. Not even that he gets like an official notification mm -hmm. from the school or something, but he's very in tune yeah. with his wands. And I think that's why he's also remembers every wand he's ever sold mm -hmm. because he's so in tune with the wands themselves. And I think he sees and speaks with these wands in his own way. So he might have felt the wand get snapped. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we basically end the chapter with a very great day for Harry, but he yeah. gets to go home. Well, to the Dursleys. They do have, I, I do like the conversation at the very end that Hagrid and Harry have, and it's really short in the, in the book, but I, it's so sweet and I really love it. And yes. I think it really shows again, Harry's maturity for his age. You know, he matured too much as, you know, like he, he had to grow up and become an adult basically too fast just because of the nature of his life. And um, so I just think that that, that, you know, him being quiet and really thoughtful um, is it's just, you know, I love seeing that in a in a 10 year old's head, like seeing that internal dialogue or 11. He's sorry, he's 11 at this point. So I love seeing that happen um, because it, there are deep thoughts that go on in kids heads. And we tend to think that kids, you know, aren't always thinking, don't have that yeah. ability and it's i mean it's that he has extreme circumstances of course but it's really sweet to see how he how he is maturing and how he's handling it so well and we see that throughout throughout the whole series this isn't just one time but i just really like i really like how that's written and i also do really like the um the conversation that they have in the film i don't um agree necessarily with how they structured all of it and i don't like that um like when Hagrid when Harry's like why am I famous Hagrid and Hagrid's like I don't know if I'm the right person to tell you that that's not in the book right Hagrid tells Harry everything right no he 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 says that in chapter four okay uh where Hagrid's kind of just like I wasn't the one to like I wasn't the one expecting to tell you this Harry and I don't know if I'm the but right does, person to do but so he does end but up telling. here yeah, you go yeah. so I yeah. I just feel like in the movie they made it a little like I don't know. They they made the conversation a little weirder and like took away a little bit of that like intimacy that him and Harry have, I guess. Well, yeah. Remember last chapter we split yeah. it and we took the, this min these few minutes from yeah. their last meal because they took all of that dialogue mm -hmm. um, and it just kind of condensed and I it. included those minutes in the la yeah I included yeah. those minutes in the last chapter even though they do share one last yeah. meal in this chapter, mm -hmm. but. That conversation is from the yeah. last chapter. Yeah. So yep. I just don't, I don't like agree with the, how they structured it fully, but I, you know, 
I do still think it's a sweet, yes, it's agree. a sweet conversation still in the film as well. Um, but anyways, I just, I like it. I like well, it and I, I, I will expand upon this a little bit more as we talk about our Weasley Slutes, because this, my Weasley Slute is going to be something interesting, I think. Oh shit, I totally oh. forgot to do that. <laughs> I might have. Start thinking. I, I plan my Weasley Slutes ahead of time. Usually I do too, but... Uh... Meigs is not prepared today, folks. The Gryffindor in me is coming out, not the Ravenclaw. <laughs> well, James, let's start with your Peeves Pleasure. So, Peeves Pleasure, I really loved this adaptation's uh, ability to 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 kind of give us into that world like the music is great like what they did in the movie was amazing as it is like we don't get a lot of like i wish we had more time in diagon alley and it, because diagon alley is just one of those areas that we really didn't get to explore in the movies and i feel like there's just so much and that's probably why they have a theme park with Diagon Alley <laughs> in it so that people could go in and experience yes. Diagon Alley as it is because like, it's just an amazing place. And I want to be able to feel the way that Harry does while seeing it, because as much as I would love to, I don't have the money to go flying to uh, the United Kingdom to go check out Harry Potter world and like go in and see Diagon Alley. Like I just want to be able to experience it the way that Harry does. And so I'll, but what we do get is still amazing and is still awesome. And I just wish there was more, but I really love how they're able to get it in and how they're able to kind of show us that magic. And it's his first introduction into the world. And it was our first introduction into the world. And as a introduction to that world, it's really great. And uh, I will always remember seeing the like that's going to be one of my favorite memories of the harry potter world is just seeing the archway build and just seeing this colorful magical alleyway that's full of vibrant life and light and all this other stuff after you just came from a dusty leaky cauldron mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. scenario mm -hmm. i agree meigs your pleasure um i mean honestly same i hate to do that but um i love that the i think the film did such a good job with the music and um just creating this magical scene for all of us to see and you can feel harry's like overwhelming like joy and wonderment um so even though i have you know some gripes about details that they did and um i think that you know they could have added some more stuff in but really i think for the for the overall right. feeling of the movie that they were going for, I think they did a great job and they did what they set out to do. And they stuck with the book as far as, uh, I mean, really John Williams. I like, he may, he makes yeah. it like so perfect that whole, all of the Diagon Alley stuff and going into Gringotts and then going to Ollivander's like the way that he yep. changes the music for each of those um, moments, you know? So I think that um, they did, they did a good job with what they were going for for the overall feeling of the movie. I think they did a really good job with world's building um, Diagon Alley in general. It's the Nimbus 2000. Yeah. So cute. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I mean, so basically same. 
Yeah. Well, I wrote just seeing the hustle and bustle of yeah. Diagon Alley. So I think we're all on the what? same page. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Look yeah, at that. I, I don't need to, I don't, need to <laughs> I don't think I need to say more than the two of you said. So James, why don't you give us your peeves peeve? Peeves peeve. Uh, there was one thing that peeved me uh <laughs> in this uh in, in this chapter. And I'm trying to think of like the best way to word it because I don't want to sound too critical, but I also don't want to sound like like too easygoing on it because it really was like up like upsetting to me but my peeve really was not being able to enjoy harry's questions Mm -hmm. the way that Mm -hmm. uh the way that it should have been and like the movie did a good job uh with what it was given and what they had to do and what they had to accomplish but there, that is a side of Harry Potter that we didn't get in the movies because it, he, like, obviously, like, we can't be in his head all the time. But at the same time, like, he could have vocalized some of these things that 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 were questions on the book, but they just didn't do it, and they cut out his curiosity, which for a eleven-year-old. Mm-hmm is really important. This is something brand new. I have a five-year-old that's asking me a bajillion questions every day. It's just not realistic for somebody Mm -hmm. who's experiencing something brand new and not asking questions all the time. Yeah, they show him being amazed and like odd and you're just like, oh, that's like, oh yeah, like that's a bunch of wonderment. I get it. But he's 11. He's asking questions. The book does it really well. And yet, we, in the movie, we don't get that mm-hmm. at all. And Harry's I, just I, got a bunch of those questions, and he's just he, we don't get to experience the, those questions for us, for ourselves. And I think that that just goes back to something that we keep talking about. And, you know, we just talked about Ollivander being two different characters. And I think Harry is sort yeah. of two different characters in the book and the film yeah. because we've talked about how his sass is missing. Um, and throughout the film, he's very quiet and very subdued and he's not like that in the book. Like he's, he's coming back with these quick wits to Dudley, you know, and he's asking all these questions. So hopefully we get a little bit more of a book accurate depiction of Harry in the, in the show. Yes. Which I mean, Daniel Radcliffe did a great job. I like he is Harry Potter for me. And whoever gets to fill his shoes is going to have a lot of, uh, is going to have a lot of expectations. But like when you read the book and you go to yourself and you're thinking to like yourself, like this dude is asking so many questions and he's trying to like get all of these answers. And yet he doesn't show that at all in the movies. It's just a little frustrating to me. And I'm just like, you just kicked out an integral part of his character and uh and just didn't think twice about Mm -hmm. it yep in my opinion is how it how it looks so (laughs) to 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 the fact that you know as you guys learn about me a little bit more it's really hard to get on my nerves and that was just one thing that got on my nerves so Mm -hmm. bad 
me I hate to copy again, but I mean <laughs> I mean it's the same thing. Like I feel like they for what they were doing for the film, I think that they did a great job. I think the actors and actresses all did a great job in their roles. Um and the music obviously was great and all of that. Like they did um they did what they were setting out to do. And they made a movie that is, for the most part, cohesive and makes sense, I yes. think. Um, but there's just a lot of details and a lot of bits about people's characters that don't match the feeling of the books. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think that that's true for a lot of books in general that have movie or TV show adaptations where whoever is producing or creating, writing, whatever the the film or the TV show, they sort of lose the vibe of the book. And oftentimes I think that it's like at the expense of, they just want to make it more dramatic because they think that that's what's going to have more viewers. And I think we don't mm-hmm. need to do that anymore. So like, let's cut that out, even though this was 22 years ago. But I think that, they, you know, they just wanted to make it more of like a mysterious dramatic film. They did that and they did a good job at doing like it all makes sense for what they're doing. But it just sucks that, you know, that they did that and then they just lost a lot of the um, the more lighthearted, funny, witty, um, magical, like lighthearted, magical feelings of the books in general. So that's yep. I mean, you know, so co- to copy James, basically. Um, yeah, I think that there are just you know, different little details that they could have done to make the characters more accurate. And <laughs> they, they didn't, but you know, oh, whatever though. I didn't, I didn't dislike it. I thought that I, this is a very fun scene or a couple of scenes, I guess, uh, in the film to watch. So yeah. Yes, definitely. Well, <laughs> you guys, <laughs> I wrote, I want to see more. Mm-hmm. Because, like you guys just said, all this, all these details that are being yes. left out. I mean, we've just recorded a two-hour or so episode. So, you know, there's so <laughs> much to put into this. And, you know, how many minutes? Um, well, it's a 10-minute scene almost. So, um, I mean, that is, that is a long time for a film. For a movie. Yeah. Right. Um, so, but... I mean, they're unless it's half an hour episodes, I could see you doing Gregots in one episode and the rest of the stuff in another episode, but there's no way this can't be an entire episode of just exploring diagonally. No, it definitely will be. And it's probably gonna have a little bit of chapter four in it. And that's a threat. Because it absolutely will be. Yes, it will be because chapter four is so small of a chapter. It cannot be an episode in of itself. It has to be added on either to the episode before or the episode after. Mm -hmm. And I'm from the way that I'm imagining the show, it's supposed to be added right before we enter diagonally. So I can, I'm imagining the whole Hagrid conversation to be like maybe 10, 15 minutes. And then we're moving on into the next morning and moving on to Diagon Alley. And then like we see Green Gods is like the midpoint of the episode. And then Draco Malfoy shows up yeah. and then we get the whole montage of them. And then we end with him. I don't know. I kind of feel wand. like Hagrid telling Harry he's a wizard could be the cliffhanger to episode three. Mm-hmm. And then this chapter is episode four. And that's kind of like how you wrap up 
I don't know how to com- – like I don't know yet because we want chapter one to be its own episode. Yes, so do. now we have two, three, and four oh to figure God, out. Yeah. Um, but I, I do – I think four should be the end of the previous episode and then this episode opens up. See, though, for me, the, for, for me, the previous episode was them getting to the island and running away and the episode ends with uh, the shadow of Hagrid – like we don't know who he is and then it just ends and we're kind of just like Whoa, what was that and then we like we move into the next episode uh we're l- learning about mm-hmm. the wizarding world and hagrid showing up and like explaining who he is and, and all that stuff and it's like the perfect beginning to all of this it just means that this episode should be longer because of what's in chapter five just for shits and giggles <laughs> i'm gonna pull up the audiobook and see how long chapter four mm. four is. Um, as I mean, he's reading it. Obviously, there's a lot more that goes into reading a book that. Whoops! Don't play it. Um, <laughs> okay, so chapter four is 25 minutes long. So how can we? I don't know. <laughs> I was like, can we get a whole well, episode? Yes, we, I think we can because, because it's just like um, kind of like a stream of consciousness almost where just like, you know, Harry's just like going around looking. But you can just because Harry. Well, OK, a good example of this is he there's one sentence that describes him trying to get the the gold cauldron, trying to get the the color changing ink, um, getting the ice cream. No, just to be clear. Chapter ah, four, the keeper. Ah, of the keys. Never mind. Is twenty four minutes. Okay, sorry, Chapter five, Diagon Alley, is forty five minutes. Okay, long. so never mind. <laughs> Everybody ignore me. <laughs> Migs is off the rails tonight. No, no, no. I should have made that more clear. Yeah. So, um, okay. Wait. What was your question? Or what were you? <laughs> what are you proposing? So either, either this next episode, like this episode, has to be chapters four and five together and it has to be longer than the previous episodes in order to get all the information in or uh, okay yeah they have to somehow drag chapter four out into the length of how long the episodes are and if it's going to be an hour i don't streaming, see how chapter four is an hour long yeah no i agree yeah. with that i don't i i don't see that it could be its own hour-long episode but if we're streaming do episodes have to be? The That's same what I was going to say because what? It, okay, we're gonna, folks, we're gonna always bring it back to Marvel. What Marvel has done that with mm-hmm. the shows, right? Where some of the episodes are much longer, some of the episodes are much shorter within the same season. So yeah, I think even Star Wars. Yeah, okay, has done that. so there we go. They just need to make like a well, let's just say twenty-five minute um, episode for um, the Keeper of the Keys, and then at least an hour for Diagon Alley. I would be totally fine with that. And they could even put part of chapter three in there. Like it could be him meeting the old man and getting the boat and getting the gun could be part of the keeper of the keys. I think so too. Because I mean, I would, I seriously would watch like a 100 episode 
you know, season oh, yeah, 100%. Of, just of <laughs> the book, first book. Like I would watch however long they wanted to put it up there. But I do think that they could condense three and four. Every day of school. I I would watch 100 it. episode season every day of Harry Potter's they life at Hogwarts. They just do it like Seinfeld <laughs> style where it's just no, the normal situations that are going on when they're in class, you know, like normal funny things that happen. They could totally do it. Mm-hmm. I could do it if they would just let me be a writer on the on the show. Well, we went into a deep, deep tangent <laughs> here on our piece, Pleasures and Peeves, Peeves. So let's wrap it up with our Weasley salutes. And I know, James, you said you had something to talk about that you look like you're pretty excited <laughs> to talk about. So dive into that salute, sir. So, so this is going to probably be a common theme for me because I will treat these Weasley salutes with the utmost passion uh, <laughs> every single time. But my Weasley salute is going to have to go to the last couple of paragraphs in chapter five, uh, because I think it is amazing how J.K. Rowling brings Harry's attention to what everybody else is like basically telling him and he basically tells like he confines in Hagrid and says like I don't know if I'm even up to the task like all these people mm. expect great things from mm. me and I don't even know if I can do it and I think that is Harry's character arc in a mm-hmm. nutshell for this first like this first season is realizing that he is capable of doing great things and all the stuff, but he just doesn't have that confidence. Why? Because of what we saw in the first couple of chapters with him living with the Dursleys. This is, this is JK Rowling's announcement to what he, his goal is for the rest of the book. If even into other books, really, but like character wise, this is a huge character moment for him. And if the TV show is supposed to do this right, <laughs> they need to be able to to have that character arc be very prominent. And TV shows really do a great job of this. This is why I'm I love the idea of a TV show because mm-hmm. ever since I was little, I was always saying this needs to be a TV show. This needs to be a TV mm-hmm. show. And people who have been saying this like just recently oh this is a brand new idea like this has not been a brand new idea this has been something that we've been saying like a long yes. time ago this was not this ever supposed to be a movie they just chose movies because it makes more money mm. tv shows did not oh, make a lot of money back then yeah exactly they aren't what they are now like streaming has taken exactly so tv shows have changed the thing has changed they make money now this is the perfect, like, it's the perfect opportunity to do it because this is Harry's, like, heroic path, basically. This is going to be his Mm. heroic journey for the rest of this book is him coming to terms with him being a competent person to be able to do great things because you will see as we go through the rest of the books, Harry's biggest uh biggest enemy the thing that he is constantly overcoming is his doubt in himself 
he he doubts himself all the time. Can I do yeah. this? Am I able to do this? Should I be doing this? And it's all because of how he lived for the last 10 years with the Dursleys. And so he enters this new world, brand new world. It was great. He loved it. He said it's like best birthday ever. But he had a ton of people go, I can't believe I'm meeting you for the first time. You're awesome. You're expected mm. to do great things, mm. Harry Potter. You have all of these things expected of you. And like even Ollivander just gave him a wand, which I think was like the <laughs> stepping stone into making him feel this way, was that wand was the brother of the other wand. And that guy did great things. Terrible things, but great. Yeah. So I cannot wait to see what you do, Harry Potter. That is a lot of pressure to put on an 11 year old boy, but he, he has that pressure to begin with because he's never had anybody tell him he can do great things. Mm -hmm. When you are being raised generally in a good environment, you have people that believe in you and he's never had people that believe Mm -hmm. in him. And he's going to get, people slowly he's going to get people that start believing in him Hagrid's the first one obviously but then later he's going to get Ron and Hermione and Dumbledore and like all these other characters that are going to start saying hey you 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 got this you're you're a capable young man you you can do anything you put your mind to and it's going to help him overcome his greatest enemy in this book which is this doubt he has in himself mm-hmm. with the self doubt that he has in himself. So this chapter basically gives us the ability to go. That's what he's supposed to overcome. And by the end of the book, I will not be surprised if we return back to it. And it, it, there's some mention of him being able to say, uh, yeah, I'm a lot more confident in what I can do. And and I believe that this is going to be something he's not going to be like egotistical and like I'm famous and blah, blah, blah. But he, he's going to, he's going to be able to recognize that he has a capability and he's going to be confident going back home to the Dursleys because he knows now they can't touch mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Emotionally and mentally, like he now has a strength other than, uh, other than what he's ever had to deal with for his total life. Sweet baby Harry. I know, I want to give him a hug. Oh, <laughs> so sad. Um, my... Mace, yeah. what's your um, uh, Dare I say... It's hard to follow no, it I up. <laughs> because, like, I agree. Um... See, this is why you should probably learn from this and just make me go last. No, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I just um pass. Just kidding. I think um <laughs> no, I mean I, I agree with that. I think it was it's so sweet to see Harry's um his you know, the growth that he has in this chapter just with like just with learning and taking it all in and being so overwhelmed and um, he's still able to like manage it, I guess. And he's just like, well, this is like what my life is going to be now. And he's like ready to just move forward. And um, like, yeah, that kid adapts. Yeah, well, he does. He's very adaptive and he's had to be because of That's a really you know, good it's point. a survival mechanism for him. Um, and so he, he has to learn how to adapt mm. because he has a very volatile environment. And so it's, um, you know, he naturally has to be good at that, unfortunately. So um, I think, well, okay, my salute 
is Daedalus Diggle, my favorite character. <laughs> Same. Um, I mean, that's not my yeah, salute, but that's what I'm going character. with. In order so to do the exact opposite of what James just did, what giving this very heartfelt uh, monologue about Harry's growth and um, amazingness, I am just going to say Daedalus Diggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going down that same road because all I wrote was Ollivander. Don't you mean Garrick? Garrick. <laughs> Garrick. Yeah. I do mean I Garrick. I love him. I mean, even though I do love how John Hurt, as we've established, I do love how John Hurt portrayed Ollivander in the film. I love Ollivander in the book so much. Mm-hmm. John Hurt is going to be Ollivander. Garrick will yes. be whoever the TV show brings up. Yes. <laughs> so when we talk about them in the future, Ollivander will be John Hurt. Garrick is going to be whoever this new guy is. I will say for me, at least, like when we're talking about the cast and being able to fill those shoes, um, yes, the movies are phenomenal. But I guess I'm lucky in the sense that I did read these books mm-hmm. first. And so I still do have my initial visions of them in my yeah. head. Uh, so it won't be hard for me at least to, there are some characters that we'll get into it um, later on that it will be hard for me to not see the movie version, but for like Harry, well, and Hagrid is one of them. Like it's going to be so hard to replace Robbie Coltrane oh, as yeah. Hagrid. I mean, he is Hagrid. When I envisioned Hagrid, oh, that yeah. they, he's the embodiment of yeah. Hagrid. Um, but like Harry, I don't have any problem not envisioning Daniel really? Radcliffe. Yeah. I don't have any problem. Interesting. Yeah. No, that's not who. He's more in my wow. head. Folks, like, this is breaking news that we are discovering <laughs> right now. <laughs> I and I'll have to see if I can find. There's an illustration somewhere, and I'm like, yes, that's how I mm-hmm. pictured Harry, and it's not. Don't get me wrong. Like I think Dan was a perfect yeah. Harry for the films. I think the films were great, and they did. They had perfect mm-hmm. casting. It's just not going to be hard for me to see someone so else. So interesting. In a, in a few of these roles. See, I do feel like wow. I feel like Baby Dan was pretty spot on, and then as he yes, I mean, yes. you know, you don't know what somebody's going to look like when they I get know. older, and so I feel like yes, like in in my head and how the book the early illustrations and like all of the like I still have pillowcases from the Harry Potter books before the movies were made you know like those types of yeah. early in a lunchbox of course that has Hermione sitting down and reading a book like I have that and with my name written on the bottom with a smiley face for the eye like totally you know still have those things anyways um I do feel like Harry looks different than how Daniel Radcliffe ended up looking as he grew up um so I guess yeah, I, I guess I feel the same way, but I I love Daniel Radcliffe so much and I love how he was portrayed that I'm like totally fine with him being Harry in my head. But I guess I also still agree with you that, um, you know, he didn't, he doesn't, you know, there are other people I feel like that could look more traditionally Harry Potter-esque, you know, mm-hmm. there could there could be. Other yeah, people. and I know it is hard to, you know, cast 11 year olds. Yeah. Because you have no idea, but oh, yeah. and for the adults, I think I mean okay. Alan Rickman is oh. another one. Absolutely freaking love Perfect. Alan Rickman. Yeah. But 
I that is not how I envision Snape in the books at all. And you know who I you know who's a great example of who I envision Snape. I don't know the character's name, but the guy who's like the king's servant in the Two Towers. Grima Wormtongue. Yes, that is how I envision Snape. I love this. Oh, I love that we're learning this. I mean, we're going on so many tangents on an already long Who cares? This is what folks are here to listen to. Yes. But we'll do a whole fan cast yeah. episode. I just spoke for the whole entire audience by saying that this is exactly what they want. So. <laughs> well, any last thoughts before we sign off here, mm, my friends? My nope, notes. I think we did too much damage. Wonder, yeah, wondering... <laughs> possibly talk about with this <laughs> no i told you guys that this was going to be a long episode i didn't disagree with that i knew we had a lot to cover i mean it's it's a long chapter it's like twice as long as the chapters yeah. we've had so far which is why it's twice as long an episode mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah up until this point they've been about 20 pages and then this one was like 40 close to at least. Yeah. It's hard because I'm, I'm looking at the, the Mina Lima and there's a bunch of pop-ups mm-hmm. and stuff. So I don't think I have an accurate depiction. Well, here let's, I have the actual brag. Harry Potter book. <laughs> I have the Harry Potter book right here. So in between pages, uh, so page chapter five starts at 61 and then chapter six starts at 88. Which is 27. How, what's like chapter one? How many pages is that? Chapter one is from one to 18. 18 yeah. to 31, so t- 10 31 pages. to 46. That's a short one. 46 to 61, 61 to 88 for. Yeah. So it's about a 10, 10 page addition mm-hmm. to this chapter so far. Um, so we're either going to have to start talking faster or condense our thoughts or just have three hour episodes. I can like definitely talk faster if everybody wants, or everybody just has to play us on two times speed. That'll be really, um, really interesting to listen to. Oh my gosh. How funny. (laughs) Like, (laughs) have you ever listened to a podcast on the like very, very slow I know it's so funny. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) Anyway. Okay, guys. Um, where can everybody find you, James? (laughs) Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we get into that. Thank you for causing havoc with us today. <laughs> Next time, we'll be discussing Chapter 7, The Sorting Hat, and minutes chapter 39, six. 14. What? Six. Chapter, chapter oh. six. Wait, what? Oh <laughs> yeah, we haven't done Chapter 6 Guys, yet. Sarah is staying up so late to record this. This is amazing. Um, <laughs> wait. I don't, I don't, I think I messed up our script because it's, okay. it's chapter seven, the story. Oh, but you know what? Don't worry. All of this okay. gets no, edited no, this out all eventually. Stays in. <clears throat> no, no, no. <laughs> okay. Next week, we're going to be talking about chapter six, the journey from platform nine and three quarters. And that's minutes 31, 34 to 39, 13 of the film. So exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Pulling up the original script now. Uh, okay, so James, where can people find you? 
So they can find me currently on my Instagram at James M. Beltran. And that's about it. But <laughs> listeners, stay tuned because there will be a TikTok. <gasps> and uh, Peeves, Peeves, I will be Peeves Gabfest's personal mascot uh, to, <laughs> uh, to the TikTok we are world. Very so. Hip. Uh, I will give you my TikTok details eventually so that you can follow that for Peeve Gabfest updates and personal inquiries and all the other little cool little things that TikTok can do for you. So um, you can find me at Megan, M E G A N, um, <laughs> underscore. I think I have an underscore. Uh, Lachowski, L A C H O W S K I. And then all of my other socials that I'm on are in my bio. So you can find all my other stuff there. But that Instagram is where I am most active. So find me there. And you can find me, Sarah Day, at captain.mcd on Instagram. And same, all my other socials are linked That's on McD that one. That's mcd with two E's at the end, not just mcd. The, yeah. the letter D. It's M-C-D-E-E. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, your laugh was just a little silly. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to go to bed, but don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and leave a five-star review if you're as mischievous as we are. (laughs) If you have any feedback, leave us a voicemail at 409-422-3378. That's 409-GABFEST. Or email us at peevesgabfest at gmail.com. Also, join the discussion in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash peevesgabfest and follow us on Instagram at peevesgabfest. Until next time, Mickle Firsties. Bye.